Good evening, everybody. This is Barbara with Can and Girl Speaks podcast, and I am so excited to be uh, recording on tonight, this evening. Um, I'm excited for my special guest on tonight. Um, I'm so glad that she accepted the invitation to be on uh, Can and Girl, the Can and Girl Speaks podcast. Um, uh, I, I used to work with her a long time ago, and so um, that's kind of how I got a chance to meet her. And so she has. Um, been doing some great things, and so um, without further ado, I'm going to intru- introduce the listening audience to uh, Miss Mrs. Ursula Bonner. Yay! Thank you so much, Ursula, for being on Canada Speaks podcast. And so, why don't you tell the listening audience about who Ursula Bonner is? No, um, thank you for having me, and we definitely worked together some time ago, and it was a great experience. And thank you for continuing to stay in touch with me. And just being interested in, you know, what I have to say or um, my experiences. Um, I was pretty much raised in Corsicana, um, ended up leaving some time ago, uh, relocated to the Dallas-Fort Worth area to kind of further my education in my life. Um, mother, um, it's a very exciting time for me in my life and just some decisions and things that I made to you know, further myself and, and my family, and we'll definitely talk about that later. And I don't want to overload, you know, professions and all of that stuff, um, but for those who know me, they know me. Okay, so you are a, uh, you're a graduate of Corsicana High School. What year did you graduate? Um, we came out in 94, um, and um, I ended up leaving Corsicana to relocate to um, Dallas, um, and it took me a little while to kind of find my find my bearings, and ended up um, getting an associate's degree because uh, I really wanted to progress my education. It's, it's really what my goal was, and ended up going to community college and getting an associate's degree there, and then I ended up pursuing a bachelor's degree from SMU um, in finance, and then I ended up finishing my MBA uh, also in finance, and so. Yeah, my education has been it's been pretty exciting, but a little bit of a challenge. Okay, so um, I wanted to bring you on. Um, we had a conversation uh, to talk about you know your humble beginnings. Definitely a part of my testimony that um, I don't mind sharing. Uh, it gives me great pleasure to be able to share. Um, absolutely, at 17 years old, have really you know made some um, pretty serious growth decisions, which again, one of them was that I ended up pregnant at 17 and really didn't have a direction for my life. You know, at the time, I was a bit confused um, because I didn't know what was next. I knew what my heart desired, but I didn't know how to do it. I didn't have, um, or I hadn't access, because I think that in that of course, yeah, I think there are people who are so smart and they have such rich experiences. Um, but I think as a younger girl, I didn't see a lot of younger girls that I could go to that I could get advice from. So I was a little off, you know. I had this baby, and I and I was 17, and I had already messed up, you know, high school, like, met up and I was like you know I desired more I just didn't know what to do 
how to make those necessary steps to get where I was trying to go because everyone that I was with was kind of doing the same thing, you know, same they had way. babies and mm-hmm. yeah, they had babies and we couldn't, we couldn't tell each, you know, each other much of anything except for how to take care of our babies, right? And kind of how to hang out. And so I think probably about, um, about 19, uh, I want to say, nope, 21. So I kind of fumbled a little bit until I hit about 21. And then I just kind of looked around and with my son, I finally had something that I loved just as much as I loved myself. And if not more during that time as a young girl. And I needed to, he depended on me. So I needed to establish a life for him. And so as a result, you know, getting a, you know, good job in Corsicana, which I was blessed to, you know, be at the sheriff's department for a little while and, you know, came down here and moved, you know, when I relocated to Dallas. Well, I hadn't even relocated to Dallas at the time. Um, I was driving back and forth, got a good job, you know, here, kind of in the same line of, um, you know, criminal justice in a sense. But there was still something else inside that was kind of pulling me and saying, your education is very important. But like I said, I didn't know how I was going to do that because I had a baby and every, you know, I had people depending on me, you know, and I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do all of this. And so long story short, eventually, you know, I made a conscious decision and that decision was I will separate myself and kind of isolate. And I want to see without the background noise. I want to see where my life is supposed to go. And that was a huge choice at 21 years old to stop hanging out, stop, you know, doing a lot of things. You know, I started working, got also opened up another door for me to start working at um, uh, the Texas Youth Commission right there in Corsica County. Ended up with my own apartment for the first time, you know, went and got a little car that was a car to get back and forth. And I said, you know what, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to pay these bills and I'm going to take care of my kids and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to isolate and I'm going to, God is going to show me what my next move is going to be. And and Barbara, that's exactly what happened because there were some people who worked at the um, Texas Youth Commission that lived in Dallas. One was uh, Stephen Dyson. And you know what? He continued to encourage me. He was a caseworker out there. He continued to encourage me. You know, we called each other by our last name. So, Miss Bonner, you know, you're smart. Miss Bonner, you could do so much. Miss Bonner, I'm so proud of you. And that's really what you need because yeah. this guy was not even much older than I was. So, I got to see someone who was progressing in and who had accomplished things that wasn't even looking like me. Yeah. And so, to encourage me and as I, like I said, I separated myself and eventually I made a huge decision and that decision was to leave everything that I had grew up with and everything that I knew. And I came here with two boys at the time. It was my son and my nephew. My son was five and my nephew was 11, I believe. And my mom, who had a really rough life, who lived a very rough, unfortunate life. So if there are some young girls out there that are listening to these podcasts that, you know, maybe you had children at a young age, maybe mom is out there, you know, drugged, or maybe she's not even where she's supposed to be and the dad is absent, it still doesn't mean you can't make it because you can. Mm-hmm. So tell the listener audience about your experience on 
you know, applying for uh, SNU, getting into SNU, that whole experience, because I was so fascinated by that story. Okay, so um, I left home, I left Corsicana uh, with tears in my eyes, uh, to be quite honest with you, because I was nervous. I was nervous to move into a different area, um, but I knew that there was something more for me. And I remember driving by, uh, as I was coming into Dallas, um, we, we had that big U-Haul truck, and um, I was driving a car, and I think my mom was driving the U-Haul truck, and I just remember seeing a sign that said SMU Boulevard. And I was like, and then something drew me to that sign, and I was like, well, I don't know how that would happen. You know, I just don't quite know how that happened. So um, a year went by, and I ended up, um, going to a community college because of, you know, just one thing left after another. I ended up, um, another friend, um, who is from Corsicana, Sharon Crawford, never, ever, ever forget her and how she just, when I was on the phone with her and I was like, well, you know, I have to work, you know, I've got these boys. And she was like, Earth, well, you're so smart. You know, you need to go to school. You need to get an education. You're so smart. I just see you doing this. And I remember God has showed me what I would be doing and it was in line with what she was saying and I was like wow well maybe maybe and so I ended up going to community college and it was too late according to them they're like well you know what you're too late you you know this you know you still have to get your financial aid still hadn't come in you've got to wait for it and this lady overheard it and she called me over to the side and she said come here and I was like yes and she was like um we can give you a loan until your financial aid comes in now here's your next step. I went over there and they said, well, you know what? We've, we're, we filled all of our spaces. You have to do entrance testing. We filled all of our spaces, so you're not going to be able to do it. And it was two other ladies with me at the time, and we all kind of got turned away. And I just heard a word, and that word was call around to other community colleges. Call around. You'll get the spot, and I promise you, El Central had three spots available. And we rushed down there, and that was for us three. And we got in those spots. We took our entrance exams, and that started my education, uh, educational pursuit. So I ended up at the community college, and um, didn't take me long. I went to school like my life depended on it. I took care of those boys. I worked at night, and I went to school during the day. And eventually, in a year and a half, which should have taken me two years, but I, I went summer, many semesters extra semesters, any semesters to finish because, again, I was looking to provide a life for those boys. At the time, I had my son as well. So I was like, I am going to, this is relentless. When I tell you relentless, like as if my life depended on it because my livelihood did depend on it. And so I remember when it was time for me to figure out what my next move was, right, because when I associate's degree was coming to an end and I remember talking to an academic advisor at the community college and I remember her as clear as day she says well so what are you going to do next and I was like well you know um I've been praying about it and I didn't mind saying I've been praying about it because it's just my fate you know and I said I've been praying about it and you know I believe God is sending me into the area of SMU and I remember 
she looked at me and said, well, I mean, why do you want to go there? I mean, you could go to UTP, you could go to University of, uh, what did she say, UD, um, UNT, and I was like, yeah. I said, you know, I didn't go into details with her, but I just remember in my mind saying, but that's not the vision God gave me. Mm. And I got up, I said, well, you know, I let her talk, you know, and then I said, okay, so again, because your heart knows what God is telling you, but the head just heard something different. So there was a little conflict there. And so I remember you know, finishing up and going to my car because I was done with classes that day. And I just remember uh, thinking to myself, like, okay, Lord, you know, whew, you know, I just got that information. But I, I just believe that you said in your word, you know, that if I just had faith and I believe I can ask for anything and I believe in visions and I know you showed me. So what next? So every bit of me just said, just go to SMU. Just drive over there. I wasn't ready to go. It's in there. But I just drove over out of obedience, like reckless, you know, just let's just go. I'm just going to trust in you, Lord, recklessly, mm. just go. And so mm. I get over there, and I walk in that beautiful campus, and I'm just in amaze. I'm in amazement of all of this beauty. And I get there, and somehow, don't ask me, <laughs> I just wind up in, like, the admissions department uh, randomly, just based on where I parked. And I just went to the first big, pretty building. And as I'm there, I'm looking at the pamphlets on the wall, and there's this lady. Her name was Jan. Never forget her. She was sitting there, and I was just looking at the pamphlets and whatever, and I, we made eye contact a couple of times, and eventually... When I turned around, she was standing right by me. And she's like, hi, my name is Jan. And I was like, oh, hi, Jan, you know. And well, I'm, she goes, well, you know, so we just talked. And I, of course, I just told her, hey, I was just looking to get some information. And she was like, oh, okay, are you thinking about attending? I was like, yes, I'm thinking about attending. And, you know, I'm getting ready to graduate within a couple, I think I had like, a semester or so, I said, and I'm I'm thinking about applying here, you know, and the note's pretty expensive, and I kind of don't really know all of the details, and so she said, that's funny. She said, because I was getting ready to leave. Matter of fact, I was supposed to have been, I, I was supposed to be gone like 30, 40 minutes ago, but something just said, sit here and wait. She mm. said, now I know why, and so she tells me, every single thing that I needed to do. And she also lets me know that they give out scholarships. So you didn't oh, have yeah. to rack out student loans. You didn't have to rack out, you know, all of this, you know, have to panic about it. So she mm -hmm. tells me about this scholarship. So I go back and I bust my hips trying to make sure my GPA was right where it was supposed to be, um, the whole nine yards. And so eventually I was ready. And I applied, and I just remember being nervous, right? Because, you know, I'm the least likely. I didn't look like those students. Yeah. I didn't have, I didn't come from the same class. I didn't have the same background. It was different. And, and the only thing I wanted was my education so that I could do something different for my family. Yeah. And through that experience and how God just set that up so nicely, I ended up getting into SMU on a scholarship and not paying a dime. Wow. And, yes, and there were times um, when 
I ran into the question of, is this for me? Because again, when you look around, you don't see people that look like you. Yeah. And you don't fit, quote unquote, from a status quo standpoint. But when it's destiny, when it's supposed to happen, you just keep getting, you, you gravitate right back. Every time you want to turn around and say, you know, you question that, it's like confirmation. You just keep, and something else just happens where it ends up working for you. And so one other thing that happened that was very important um, to me is I was like point oh three away from, because they had just raised the requirements. Um, I graduated my uh, associate's degree. I graduated with honors, and they just raised the requirements. They took a subset of, of courses, and they averaged those, and those had to be, I think, a 3.9. And I think I was like at a 3.86. Mm. <laughs> and I remember the associate dean was like, so, so I was in SMU. I was admitted in, and I was going to classes, but in order to get into top school of business, so that's where God said go. You had to have, that stuff that had to be that 3.9, I believe. Like I said, I think I had a 3.86. I was like 0.04 away. And I remember my academic advisor, I went to talk to him. I'll never forget him. His name was Bill. And he said, you know what? You'll get in. That's not going to be a problem, you know? Because look at your overall GPA, and you're just 0.4 away in these classes, uh, 0.04 away. You'll be fine. And do you know the associate dean was like, yeah, no, she's not being admitted in. And I was like, huh? <laughs> Wait a minute, Lord. This is not what you showed me. Like, I'm supposed to be in top school of business. I don't want to do anything else. Like, I want, yeah. you know, you showed me a finance degree. This is the only way for me to get it. And so I was a little discouraged and I ended up and I'll wrap it up but I ended up Bill Byerly uh, Bill Bill Byerly he came and he said Ursula I went back to him and I said they're not going to let me in and he said yeah they will he said well I tell you what there's only one thing to do you're going to have to go and talk to the dean so my heart dropped and I'm going to tell you why but here I am 25 years old you're talking about the dean of Cox School of Business Dean mm -hmm. Imani like the head honcho <laughs> who is focused on the endowment, a billion dollar revenue school, like who am I to go and talk to him, right? Yeah. So I get there and his gatekeeper catches me at the door and she, I remember these people because they were so pivotal to my life to this day. And she says, well, Dean Nima has someone in his office. So she was like, but how are you? And so she's talking to me. Well, I, you know, and I tell her my story. And she's like, well, my church gives out scholarships. So here we go again, right? And so she's just pouring into me. So I was like, well, let's we'll talk to her. She's really kind, and she's trying to, you know, just be so kind and helpful. And maybe that's why I was here. So I was getting ready to walk away. Out comes Dean Nimai and another young lady, and they're getting ready to go down to the seminar that was happening in the uh, Collins Center. And he's with this lady, and they're getting ready to walk, and he looks my way. And, of course, by now I'm thinking, yeah, he's getting ready to go to this meeting. I'm not going to see him, you know. Mm -hmm. And they're all waiting for him. He has to be there. And he looks at me, and he says, hi. And he goes, I'm Dean Emi. I said, hi, I'm Ursula. 
And then Dee tells him, narrates for me, and she said, oh, because she's his assistant. She's like, oh, you know, she wanted to talk to you, but I told her that, you know, you're in the middle of a meeting and, you know, you're getting ready to go to this conference, right? He goes, oh, no. He, he tells the lady he's with, he goes, well, you know what, go ahead. And he says, I have time. And I was like, oh, gosh, are you for real? <laughs> so we go in and we talk and I tell him my story and I tell him why I'm there. And I tell him my faith and what I believe and, and, and all of this. And I tell him, this is what's holding me up. And you know what? I walked away from there and this guy gives me a hug and he encourages me. And he says, you'll be fine. And I'm like, what does that mean? So I get, I get in my car and I'm going home for the day. And I get a phone call. And Bill is like, oh my God, everyone over here is nervous. I was like, what happened? He goes, Dean Nima personally walked the letter and I still have the letter. He are personally walked the letter over here. You are admitted. And oh, I'm like, no, no way. He goes, yeah, he, he, he didn't, he, and, and this, the Dean was trying to explain. He was like, no, she's in. Here's the letter. She's in. He goes, he personally, he walked over here. Right after you guys got done talking. <laughs> so, if I tell you that all purpose was off land, but I did face my challenges, and some of them were personal, because I was a lot bit older, my circumstance was different, I was a single mom, yeah. and I was desperate, you know, I really was. And so, Barbara, that is the gist of my experience, and if I could just say to anyone listening, anyone, be it young girl, young guy, whatever the case may be, I just want you to know when God puts something in your heart, I don't care what it looks like, he is going to sit up to where it's going to work. And even when you face adversity, he will still allow people that will come into your circle who will, maybe they don't look like you, maybe they don't sound like you, maybe they don't come from the same background, but he will strategically place people along the way to help you get to the next All you have to do is continue to be willing to just go. Even when it doesn't make sense, just go. So how do we, so how do we, so how do we tell, how do you tell, you know, especially uh, people in our community, the African-American community, how do we tell them, you know, how do we get them to break cycles, you know, from a small town and then going to the Metroplex and then, you know, being a alumni of SMU, you know, you know, it's just kind of, you broke the mold. You broke that, you broke that, that, that generational curse. And so how do you motivate those, you know, in our in our community that, you know, but or, you know, don't let the your circumstances mm-hmm. define define you. You know, so how mm-hmm. what can you say to those out in the listening audience to encourage them, you know, that whatever your heart's desire, you just have to work hard and, you know, have faith, you know, have your belief system, have your circle of people that are gonna be in your corner. What can you say to them? One, you know, you have to have something that you want more than anything. There has to be something that you want and you have to pursue it like your life depends on it. There has to be that one thing, whatever it is, your livelihood depends on it. And my thing is, is I was the least likely. I don't mind telling you that. I was 
according to my circumstances, not according to the woman that I was that was trapped up inside and she was coming out. I was I was going with two hundred votes. But at the end of the day, at, at that time, I was least likely because I had already made mistakes. I'd already, you know, messed up in high school. I'd already, you know, had a child early and didn't know where I was going to, you know, get in at the time because I was just 17. You know, I'd already messed up and it looked like the trajectory of my life going to look the exact same as what I didn't want to. So what I'm trying to say is at the end of the day, yes, yes. I can look back and I can, I'm looking at it in life now and I'm saying, yep, mm-hmm, it worked out. But during those times, they were dark. They were dark because I was fighting against a reality and a vision. Here's your vision. Here's what your heart says. But here's the reality. This is what you have. And what I'm trying to say is it takes some soul searching. You have to be willing to step out of the crowd. You got to be willing to step away from the crowd. You've got to be willing to create your own environment. Of course, the can is just a town. It's the people yeah. in the town that makes it up. It's just a town, you know. Mm-hmm. So you can create your own environment, and you those people who will encourage you. And then on top of that, I will say this. Let me let me take that back. Instead of seeking those people, because I will say this. The few people that I did talk to about my dreams and my goals, they shut them down. You don't need to do that. That ain't going to happen. You don't need to move out of town with a little boy in the city. It's just you. Listen, what I'm saying is look for those people. Expect God to place strategically place those people into your life that will help you along the way. And what I want to say is those people may not look like you. Yeah. They may not come from the same background. They may not even come from the same town. Because you can't control how God is going to send the help that you need. But if you're open to it, and you've prayed, and you've searched yourself, and you know that there's so much more for you, and there is, there is a plan for all of our lives. Mm-hmm. And what you have to do is you have to pursue that relentlessly like your Listen, I pursued it like my life depended on it, because it did. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just me. It was a little boy that was looking up to his mother like, what is my life going to be like? Because right now, I depend on you. Mm. And so if you have had children young and you feel like the odds are stacked up against you, I want to say no, they're not. That is your motivation. That's your drive. That's your deciding factor is to create a life for those children. And maybe it's not to attend SMU or you know, Ivy League colleges or whatever. Maybe it's to start your own business. Well, guess what? Let that be your deciding factor, your drive to do what you have to do. No one can stop you but you. So I I feel like you're going to have a book (laughs) about your story. I do. I feel like it's going to... I feel like there's a book that's going to be on the market someday that will, you know, some, some we'll be able to get a chance to go and buy and purchase it off Amazon. So just, just so I want to plant that seed that I want you to be thinking about a future book because some, because other people need to hear, need to read read about your story because it is so fascinating. And so um, 
I, you know, I, I have enjoyed our conversation. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to reading that book one day. And so, uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. So, uh, I'm, I always give my my list. I, I, I tell, I want to, I want to thank you again for just accepting the invitation. Uh, of the invitation of being on the Can Go Six podcast. I know that those out the listen audience are wanting to hear more from Ursula Bonner. And so um, I, I give my I, I give my guests a chance to give a shout out to anybody they would like to give a shout out to. So um, give a shout out to whoever you want to give a shout out to. Well, so one being you for sacrificing your time in more than one way. Um, you know the fight that you're in to help the next generation to get this message out to the next generation, and I know that your heart is genuinely in it for our next generation. And I know without even going into all those details, I'm from Corsicana, so I know the sacrifices that you and your family are making to better our community. And so for, for that alone, I say thank God for Barbara. The only shout that shout out that I would say is that a few people can't do it alone. And so what I would, in mine is not so much as a shout out, but it's a call. I think it's a call to those of us who have, you know, a story to tell. Those of us who have experiences, uh, experiences to share. Those of us who have their own businesses that could go back into the community and encourage those people who are those young people who have dreams and goals and they want to do things differently, but just like me, just don't know how. We can help them not have to face the hardships and the disappointments that they may be facing. And so what I'm trying to say, long short, I would like it if those of us who have something to share, something to impart, whether it be wisdom, experience, or whatever, I would like for us to meet someone like a Barbara halfway and come down and organize something so that we can encourage the next generation to break those generational curses and cycles yes. because that's what we need. We yes. Someone just needs to see that someone else did it and to be able to encourage and say how and we can part that wisdom for those of us, for those of them who want to receive it. And so I, I really just wanted to, the shout out really is to you to say thank you for even this platform. And the shout out is to those of us who have those experiences. And there are many of us who have books inside of us. Let's get those out. Let's get back yeah. home and teach the next generation and encourage the next generation and love on them because yeah. God knows we need it. Yeah, and that's, and that's my hope is that when we reach one and we teach one, because, you know, we all have some form of platform, you know, and so, um, you know, I, I, I'm hoping that, you know, through your, you know, your testimony, your story, that, um, others will get on board and want to, like you say, come back to our community and help, uh, you know, inspire and help, you know, just help our young people you know, uh, just encourage the next generation of, you know, of leaders, of, you know, business owners, you know, that, that is my heart's desire. So, Ursula, thank you again so much for your story. Um, I know you're gonna, you're gonna do great. I know you have more, you know, more projects to do. You know, you, you know, you're, you're, you're entrepreneur now and, 
you have your own business and all that. So I know you have so much more to offer. And so just keep, you know, keep doing what you're doing and continue to share your story. You know, I can't, I can't stress that enough. So with that being said, I want to thank you again, you know, for being on Canada Girls Picks podcast. And to my listening audience, we have less than, we have about six days until the election. And so I'm asking everybody to please get out and vote. If you have not voted, get out and vote. Um, it just vote like your life depends on it. You know, so <laughs> please. It does, stop. really. It does. It, please. Yeah, another thing. Yes. For the Go first ahead. time, I mean, a very, 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 I didn't mean to cut you off, but for the first time in a very, in, in years and years and years, Texas is now really considered a toss-up state, which yeah. Texas has been red, yeah. Republican, or yeah. ever, almost. Yeah. And oh. now it's considered a toss-up that it may go blue, you know, and so that's huge for us. That means we're showing up and we're, yeah. we're making sure our voices are heard. Yes, yes. And so, I mean, not just on not just on national elections, our local elections—they are very important. They are very important. So, pay attention to our local elections. They 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 do they do matter. And so, with that, like I said, with that being said, please be safe. Continue to social distance. Continue, you know, the the numbers, the COVID numbers are rising again. But please, you know, everybody, just please stay safe. And, and have a very good evening. Thank you so much again, Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Good night, everybody. Good night.